Well, good morning to everybody here with us in person, and good morning to those who are watching online. It is a joy to be able to get together and to open up God's Word. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We are moving right along in our series here. We have a couple more weeks, this week and next, and then we begin Advent. So how about that for 2020? Uh, the year that lasted 12, and uh, somehow uh, we're coming to the end of it. Let's uh, read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, to get to refamiliarize with what's going on here in our passage, and then ju- let's jump in. <clears throat> and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we get to come to it. That your word doesn't return empty. That you work mightily in our hearts and our lives. So we ask, Spirit, that you would help illuminate the truth here in in this incredible passage. May it speak to our hearts, our lives, in the right now of today. So be with us, the preaching, the hearing, the receiving, the believing, the trusting, the clinging to this, your word, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. What do you think of when I say the word Kindness. What do you think of? What comes to mind when I say kindness? Is it an image of Mr. Rogers? Is it random acts? What comes to mind when I say kindness? Is it something nice but not necessarily essential? We need to be careful what we do with kindness. Kindness isn't to be relegated to Mr. Rogers only and to random acts. Kindness isn't simply a sure that would be nice but whatever characteristic. Kindness has metal. Kindness has purpose. Kindness has power. And our passage today ties kindness to the character and purpose and grace of God. For the people of God. It matters far more than we realize. And so, we're going to explore how we are graced with kindness, and what this kindness means, in a sense, theologically, and what it means, in a sense, practically in our lives. Because 
We have been shown kindness. We are called to show kindness. Because we have received kindness, kindness should be the thing that starts to come up out of our lives more regularly because of the kindness of God. Because of the immeasurable riches of it. Because of its connection to God's grace poured out in full measure for us. So our hope is to see kindness be something a little bit more serious than what we first glance at it when we see the word kindness. And as we work through that together this morning, in considering kindness, we need to consider these things as we look at our passage. The first is we need to consider the purpose of kindness. The purpose of the kindness of God for the people of God. What in the world is the purpose of God's kindness that He has so graced us with? Secondly, we need to consider then the person of kindness. Where do we find this kindness in full measure, perfectly, without any diminishing return? Where do we find this and what does that mean for us? And then thirdly, we need to consider the presence of kindness. The presence of kindness by the power of God at work in the people of God by means of the Holy Spirit. So that's where we're moving together as we're going to be looking at verse 7 and zero in our focus on that. Again, verse 7 just simply says, and so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amazing. God continues to show us kindness. So let's consider those things together this morning. The first is this, the purpose of kindness. What is the purpose of kindness? The kindness of God to the people of God. It comes with a purpose. Well, first of all, our passage, our verse, is fueled with purpose. It starts off with the word, so that. So it's telling us that it is, it is explaining some of the purpose of what is going on in this most incredible passage. And the so that says God has poured out all of his grace onto to dead sinners, making them alive, uniting them with Christ, so that he would continue in all of the ages to come to show off his grace. To show off. God shows off his Grace, it's a staggering trajectory of verse 7, excuse me. Staggering. That he would show off through our redeemed, made alive, united to Christ lives. That is, through the church, God shows off. Now, that's remarkable. What's also remarkable is, if we're all honest with ourselves, we're kind of a mess. Yeah? I mean, can we be, can we be real and honest here? We're, 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 we're a bit of a mess. How many of you, by a show of hands, argued on the way to... No, keep your hands down. <laughs> Even if you're by yourself, did you argue? Yes. I, I heard that. Amen. Um, we're a mess. So wait, what's going on here? What's God really showing off? Well... Yes, the church is imperfect this side of glory. Yet our dead but made alive lives shows off God's grace 
to the world around us. Our once wayward, orphan, enemies of God, now brought near, called treasured sons and precious daughters, no longer dead in sin, but are now alive in Christ. Though imperfect this side of glory, yet made alive nonetheless, God shows off His grace through this mess. Amen to that. Shows it off. And our lives get to be the things that make much of that very grace. And He doesn't just show it off to the world around us. He shows it off to things seen and not seen. In your Bibles, if you were to look just one chapter over to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, you would find there another example of what God is doing and showing off through the church. It says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You may have a very low view of the church, but God sure doesn't. You may have a very low view of yourself, but God sure doesn't. He doesn't have a low view of the church. He doesn't have a low view of you. He is showing off how awesome He is through your redeemed life, through the redeemed lives of the people that call this church home, through the church universal, through all places and all times. God is showing off that He can rescue anyone from any dungeon, any pit, any darkness, any death. And He brings them together. And while we might mess it up and flub our way through life, it is yet through a church of redeemed people that God shows off His grace. Our passage is making much of God's grace. And that grace comes to us in kindness. I mean, that's staggering. The nature and experience of this grace is given with a very specific characteristic in our verse. Among all the things that Paul could say about the nature of God's grace being shown off through our redeemed lives, he calls it a kindness. A kindness. So if the overall purpose here in our verse is to show off God's grace, then kindness is that aroma that goes along with that showing off of grace. What kind of kindness? Well, as we see throughout Scripture, there are very helpful verses that fill out our thought around this idea of God's kindness. The Father's kindness to us has a purpose of turning us to Him. He pours out His kindness so that our lives would be turned to Him. Consider Romans chapter 2, verse 4. In a context that Paul is obliterating everybody, rightfully so. By the time he gets to Romans 3, he's able to say, no one is good, no one does good, no one seeks after God, no, not one. So he's setting everybody up so that everyone can see how amazing God is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
And in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, he says this. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, to turn away from sin and self to turn to Him through faith in Christ. God pours out kindness on you because He wants you to turn to Him, not from Him. And so He kindly calls you out and calls you to come. His kindness is to drive us to Christ for salvation. And that kindness is not reactionary, but constant. It's not weak, but firm. It's not wimpy, but resolute. Think carefully here about what is on display in God's kindness to such a rebellious, sinful people in the face of opposition and rejection and living as if God weren't alive. God still shows kindness to sinners. How amazing is that? In the very face of people who spit back at His direction, you're not alive. God still shows them kindness. You. He still shows you kindness. This isn't weak. This isn't wimpy or merely reactionary. It's steely in the face of rejection. It's steady in the face of opposition. And it's the kind of kindness that draws closer to those who willfully live far off. Can you imagine that? Some of you have been parents. You are parents. Seasons and times in which your kids or one of your children rejected you and yet Your call was to continue to show them what? Kindness. And God does that at an even more amazing level. Get this. His kindness outlasts your tantrums. You can't tantrum your way beyond His kindness toward you. His kindness is so that you would turn to Him. Not away from Him, but to Him. And God calls us to turn from our sin, to turn to Him who is full of grace. And His grace outshines the darkness of our sin. What He has for us what He has in full measure, He calls us out and He calls us to come in His kindness. Genesis chapter 3. An incredible chapter displaying His kindness. Adam and Eve sin and they do what? They hide. God knows what's going on. He shows up He doesn't destroy them, wipe them out, yell at them. He calls them out and draws near. 
anticipating what he would later do in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Incredible. The Bible you hold displays the wickedness of man and what we're capable of, but it also displays to you the steely, firm resolve of God's kindness. The purpose of his kindness is to turn us to him. And when we do that, when, when that incredible grace works in our hearts and we turn to him, we turn to a person, the person of kindness. On perfect display, kindness on perfect display. Notice what Paul says in verse 7. He locates the experience of such kindness in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Redemptive history zeroes into the person and work of Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of all that God has promised and purposed. Everything that God was working was working to Jesus in all of history, all the things leading up to it. It all arrives in Jesus. So that means we cannot locate this kind of kindness apart from finding it in Jesus. He is kindness with skin on. He is kindness with skin in the game. In His incarnation, it is kindness in the flesh. Kindness isn't a thing, but a person. We've drawn on this verse before in our series, but I want to call back to Titus 3.4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Jesus is the person of kindness. It is, it is not a mystical force. It is not a social movement. It is not a thing that is mass-marketed. It is Jesus. Jesus appeared to save us. If we want to know the steely resolve of God's kindness in a tangible, tactile way, we know it in Jesus and nowhere else. So if you want to know the kindness of God for you, you know it in Christ. You look to Christ. You behold it in Christ. You see it in Christ on perfect display. When we consider his life and we look at it we see how it points to the incredible work of his saving power think about the ways in which that kindness showed up jesus touched the lepers when a mere thought from the second person of the trinity would have been all that would be needed to heal yet he touched the lepers. Jesus called Zacchaeus down from a tree and called him, hey, we're going to go to your house and have a feast. Jesus restored a broken Peter. Didn't toss him aside. This wasn't reactionary. This sort of kindness wasn't weak. It wasn't wimpy. This was steely. It was resolute, it was tender, and it was real. That's the nature 
of our salvation because that is the nature of our Savior. The person of God. And this on perfect display in the person work of Jesus Christ is also an ongoing supply. In the coming ages, Paul says in verse 7, means in all of the ages of the church, there will be a, an unending supply of God's incredible rich grace coming to us in kindness in Christ. Ongoing supply. We will never lack. And so when you and I when we are belonging to Christ and belonging to His body, the church, we gather together and right now, no matter how well we sing or play our instruments or no matter how well we pray, no matter how well we get up and we preach and proclaim, the, the skill level isn't the, the, the thing that's driving us together. It's, it's the joy of gathering together around a kind God. And in this moment, we are experiencing the ongoing grace and kindness of God when we do so. You realize that. That you're not just checking this off and then moving on with the rest of your day as if this was like going to Target. You get to go to the throne of grace together with a whole bunch of other messy people and God says, guess what I got more of? Grace and kindness for you. And we get this every time we gather. Ongoing supply. We share life together, following Jesus, experiencing kindness, and putting it on more and more in our lives. Think back to Colossians chapter 3, about this time last year, I think. Colossians 3 says this, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. These, these are the clothing items we get in Christ. The very character of Christ. And with Christ, we lack nothing. And kindness is not in short supply. So friends, let us labor to keep Christ centered in, in who we are, what we do, and how we do it. The purpose of God's kindness is so that we would, be, we would be people who turn to Him. And when we do, we find the person of, of kindness in, in Jesus and, and we see it in perfect display and ongoing supply and we experience that in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that leads us then to the third point, the presence of kindness. God the Father has it for us. God the Son brings it to us. God the Spirit cultivates our hearts so that we would bear fruit that is consistent with it. That the Spirit is at work in us so that we would bear fruit. Kindness has a Trinitarian characteristic to it. That's why it matters greatly. When the Father has it for us and the Son brings it to us and the Spirit produces it in us, it, it's kind of a big deal. And our very salvation is the endeavor of the entire Trinity. And kindness marks every step of it. So that what we can say 
is that what we have received, we are then to display. And that's really been the heart of our series through these 10 verses in Ephesians 2. Why are we here? To display what we've received from God. To display, to, to show forth, to show off God's grace and kindness. And the Spirit is at work in us, bringing the character of Christ to be more evident in the character of our lives. Now, maybe you thought of this as we've been moving through this. You know probably where I'm going to go with this, Galatians 5. Galatians 5 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The Spirit is at work to bring forth those things in our lives because those things are consistent with Christ. Those are Christ's characteristics and the Spirit is at work in us so that we would bear the fruit of the character of Christ in our lives. So that means kindness is something that show, should show out in our lives in increasing measure. But this kind of kindness, the, the kind that is steely and steady and drawing closer kind of kindness, the, the, the kind that we have received from God. And we are here to display the very things that we have received. And we have most certainly received his kindness. Our current day is not a day that I would say would be marked with kindness. Any sort of thing that is a thing has very polarizing views of that thing, and we run to those polarized views and then bark at one another from those places. I say that broadly speaking. There's no specific thing that I'm thinking of for the Trinity family. It's just this is the day and age and culture in which we live in right now. Where kindness is a foreign experience and sound. So how then do we go about living out our lives in this world with whom, around with people with whom we disagree? How do we live out our lives in the context in which there's apathy and re- rejection and opposition? Where, what does kindness look like in the midst of these things? Well, Proverbs 15 verse 1 is very instructive for us. Translation I have says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Older translations would say a kind word turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs stirs up anger. Do we speak in a way that points people to Jesus? Are our words and our tones and our actions in the midst of a life that seems to be very volatile, where opinions are very, very deeply held, do we speak in a way that is consistent with the very kindness we have received? Because I'll tell you what, the last thing the world needs is unkind Christians doing unkind things. Jonah was sent to proclaim good news to a hard-hearted people. Didn't know God, didn't really care about God, didn't want to know God. And he didn't want to go because he didn't like them. He had a hard heart toward them. 
For those who know the story of Jonah, he did everything he could to stay away from that work that he was called to do. He went the opposite direction, but God saw fit to help him out. Finally, Jonah arrives to the place that he was to go and preach to a hard-hearted people, and he delivered his message, and he, after he delivered the message to this town, he went out on a higher ground and was able to look down and expecting and hopeful to see God rain down his judgment on these hard-hearted pagan people, but that didn't happen. They heard his message, they received it, they repented, and instead they received God's grace and mercy. Jonah was pretty angry about that. In the last chapter of Jonah, God says to him twice, do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? Or another way to think through that question, what good does it do for you? Do we do well to be unkind? Do we do well to, to not show kindness in our lives, to not, to not plead with the Spirit to cultivate in our hearts kindness in the midst of a world that seems to be increasingly unkind? What if our character of kindness would be the very thing that would draw people who are living in an unkind world out from that darkness and into a place where they would hear and receive and experience God's kindness? What if our kindness played a role in that? What if God wanted to use His redeemed people who have experienced His kindness to be extensions of kindness to people in great need of kindness? Or are we just going to sit on the high ground and expect God to rain down His judgment on our culture? Are we living angry lives while we have experienced the overwhelming kindness of God? And if so, what does that reflect about us? Oh, Oh, that the kindness of God would fall fresh on us even now, turning us toward Him even now, helping us behold Him in Christ even now, and that it would be something that we would long to see evident in our hearts and our lives even now. Because God purpose behind his kindness to show off the riches of his grace in us, to us, and through us. Let us lean all the way in to knowing his kindness in Christ. And together, let's go about showing this kindness to each other, the world around us. May God show kindness to those in great need. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would do this work in us. That you would help us to see how overwhelmingly kind you are. God, that you would help us to see the full supply of that kindness in Christ. That you would help us to see the power of your spirit at work bearing fruit in our lives of, what, of which includes kindness. And oh God, may we be a kind people, steely, 
steady, a drawing near kind of people. God, help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.